Welcome to the Wildflower Hearth Hour. I'm Isabel Hardman and in this latest episode I've gone on a special adventure on Hutton Roof, an amazing limestone pavement in Cumbria. Brian York will be well known to many who take part in Wildflower Hour for his daily updates from this extraordinary habitat, particularly on the orchids that grow up there. And I was lucky enough to spend a few hours with him this week finding out why he loves this part of the world so much. Well, we're on Hutton Roof, which is an absolutely beautiful, massive limestone pavement in Cumbria. And I'm with Brian York, who knows this part of the world, knows this pavement better than anyone else. I think, Brian, how long have you been exploring this wonderful, wonderful space? Uh, Ten years, uh, roughly ten years. And I'm out most days up here. Well, certainly during the fair weather. <laughs> and what, what are you doing when you're out here? Um, mainly looking for things what's different. And I'm uh, recording, booking down the GPS. Um, making little sketches and maps and things. And just generally recording. Is that of all the plants or specific ones? Um, to the rarer sort of plants. Especially the ones what are specific to this area, you know, the limestone type plants like uh, obviously the orchids, the rare orchids which we have, the atrubans, the elebrines, uh, fly orchids, and then there's the others like the uh, Montana, Hypericum Montana, Pale St John's wort, Spring Samwort. I could go on, I suppose. Angular Solomon seal, order atom. We've just seen some of them growing in the grikes up here and they are really very beautiful, particularly the spring sandwort, which I'm really glad you showed me with its beautiful pink anthers. What brings you up here every day? Why, why do you bother? <laughs> A lot of people say that. They say you're probably mad, you know, but I'm not mad. I really enjoy it. Um, it's not only that I like to do writing. I do poetry. And I do sketches. Um, and it gives me lots of inspiration being outside in this weather and hearing all the birds singing in the background. Um, it's just the right place to be. Uh, and chills me out, perhaps, as well being up here. I love it. <laughs> so we're now probably in the, the most interesting for you bit of Hutton Roof. Brian, um, we've been looking at the variegated hellebrine or the cage for it anyway because it's not yet up and we've seen some fly orchids, some beautiful early purples and a lovely white early purple as well. Some people listening to this who don't live anywhere near Hutton Roof, they may be inspired to come and visit, uh, for which I apologise because that means you'll have even more people to share around, although it doesn't sound like you're that, that reluctant to do so. Some other people might be inspired actually to do a similar sort of recording project just for their own knowledge and satisfaction where they live. What, what sort of tips would you give them? Um, well, really, to find something close to so you can... Uh... Um, record it for your own benefit but I always like to carry a GPS and I find the GPS especially these days because the GPS's measure right down uh, you know you can get 10, uh, ten numbers and uh, what does that mean? well you can enter that number in on a few uh, another occasion and be guided almost to that plant or certainly within a couple of metres of that plant 
in all these numbers it also tells you not on the same plant it gives you its own indicator my main thing is obviously my notebook to get them in the notebook and um, for me um, taking such a special interest I then put them into a big I have a big folder where I take a photo of each plant not every plant on here but certainly the smallosin here suspected smallosin is or the variants um, I like to take a picture of them each year check the differences how many difference in, in flowers and um, different things you know uh, I'm probably a bit insane me I go over the top but it gives you immense satisfaction doesn't it i can see when we've been going past certain specimens today you've got your notebook out and you've been writing it down i actually have to say it it reminds me of my dad who (laughs) sort of it really introduced me to naturalism because he was really into bird watching when i was a child he still is he keeps a list of every bird he's ever seen in any garden we've ever lived in or been in on holiday in or anything and the, the sort of quiet satisfaction I see on his face when he's seen a red wing and he's writing it down I've seen again today for you so it's it doesn't sound like it feels like a chore for you oh no 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 I love doing my little notebooks and occasionally if I've time I'll put pictures in like we were talking we've just been talking about to saw this Lancastriensis the uh, Lancastrian white bean which we've just found on here even though we're in Cumbria <laughs> For that white beam, if anyone's after the Lancastrian white beam, what should they be looking for? Well, I always go off the with a leaf mainly, whereby you'll get say up to nine, nine or less um, veins, pairs of veins on the leaf is usually Lancastriensis, you know, whereby if it has say ten plus, which you get twelve, fourteen even, that's usually the uh, common uh, white beam. Um, plus there is other, uh, other characteristics with the bottom edge uh, of the leaf you know how that's shaped as well it hasn't got the same amount of teeth it's more smoother is it common up here? no it is up here there's quite a bit it's the, probably one of the main areas around Morecambe Bay but uh, I wouldn't say it's really common you know just it's a good thing to find but then. the wardens asked me in particular on my travels will I make notes for him so the wardens sometimes ask you or often ask you to keep an eye on things oh, because yeah, you're presumably yeah. up here as often if not more than they are yeah I mean we've been doing a thing on rock rows I've done all the rock rows mapped it all out and the reason being is it's to form channels for the uh, northern brown argus butterfly so it's not just the flowers, it's the whole ecosystem, basically. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we've got to start with knowing where the flowers are. And then um, on the Olivoten roof I have, I don't know how many sides I have, quite a lot, scores. Um, you know, again, GPS, everything's GPS. But then it's marked if the butterfly is actually populated in them areas. And we've been able to link up the Olivoten roof with that rare butterfly it's managing to get from one destination to another. So it's got corridors for plants. Corridors. Yeah. That's yeah. so important. Um, we do things like that, you know, he's always asking me if I don't mind doing things like that. And then with other people obviously who want records of the uh, uh, angular seal, 
that's another one what's uh, we're favourites for up here, you know. Do you want more people to come and visit here? Because one of the things that strikes me well, not... about this part of the world is how, I mean, it looks desolate in terms of the yeah. landscape because it's a limestone pavement, but it's so deserted as well. There's well, no, never did. anyone here. No. <laughs> no, believe it or not, once the orchid season starts, when I say orchid season, it started obviously with the, the early ones, but um, once the uh, uh, Atarubans, uh, dark red alibrine starts, then people will start coming. You know? Then it's like Disneyland up here. It's like it? Disneyland. <laughs> I mean, the old of Horton Roof, I mean, they all said Bishop Middleham has all the 2,000 plus, but I bet on here really, if the truth be known, we've about three to 4,000. Of the dark red hair. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've already got listed above 2,000. You've listed 2,000 plants. Over 2,000 plants. How, how long has it taken you to do that? Um, that's over about five years. Uh, I've been doing it longer than that, but that's probably over that period I've got to that amount of uh, plants. Do you think you'll ever get bored of this? No, never. No, I won't, no. Because it's all happening now in front of our very eyes, these changes where mm. things are breeding back and throwing it's throwing up some beautiful coloured things. I mean, we're getting the white ones, which some people want to call Cloranthus, some people want to call the Viridifloras. <laughs> um, I get lost for these names, but... Uh, you must see quite a few academic debates because orchid taxonomy is notoriously um, controversial, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. I make up my own names for most of them. <laughs> That's and probably wise. I was going to say, bit whether people like it or not, it's up to them, really. Um, but no... I, Seriously, I suppose when they do get round to naming things, um, but for now I have to take shortcuts or I'd never know what we're what. But like the lemon petaled, we're not going to give it fancy names now, it's just purely lemon petal. But when the day comes to give it a proper name, maybe well, know. let's hope it gets uh, let's hope yeah. we get at least one orchid up here that's named after you. Well, uh, <laughs> I have a West Melandi as well, that's another one of my names. Oh, is it? Well, it's the old boundary of yep. West Melandi. And um, we have this one, uh, which is in discussion and debatable. Half of the experts are saying it's a helibrine, uh, a barren one, and half of the experts are saying it's a philantes. Which is the green flowered. Which is yeah. the green flowered. Um, so it's very divided. It's certainly something very special. There's never been anything like, like it before in the way, the colour of it. And, um, so, until people make their minds up, I just call it a, a West Melanda. Yeah, this is the uh, Solomon Seal, the garden variety. I don't know whether, it, I've just found it here where you park your car, but uh, I don't know whether somebody's dumped it there in the past. So it's not a native plant, well, naturally. I, I, I don't know much about this one, but yeah. if you look at it, it's like... It's much bigger, isn't oh, it? Oh, much bigger. Yeah. Yeah, perhaps... Perhaps six, seven times bigger, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. And as you say, lots more flowers, well, actually. It also has three droplets flowers on, you know, if oh, you yeah. there. Whereas oh, with yeah. yours now, you'll only have one or two on the Henri uh, Solomon seal. Um, it's a far more rigid... It's like an hybridisation looking. Yes, yeah, it's got real, real vigour, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, speckled wood butterflies. Yeah, so... Uh, we're making our way up, uh, you know, from this side of Open Roof now and up onto the top and 
And you were explaining that it is protected as a site, largely. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, it were many years ago, it, uh, it was made one of the uh, Rothschild sites. You know, the original wildfire, uh, Wildlife Trust. Um, in fact, it was 193, site 193, the very first uh, limestone pavement site under Rothschild's uh, wing. And uh, as time went on anyway, it became especially well known for uh, Angular Solomon seal and the rigid buckler fern. Because of those two species, um, it managed to get protection uh, and got the SSI. So it is uh, well protected. Uh, and for you, you love all of the plants up here, but you do have a special thing for orchids. That's how I've found out about you as your daily posts when the hellebrines are out. Just tell me a bit about which orchids are particularly special to you and, and why why they've captured your imagination so. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The, it's the Atherubens, the um, dark red hellebrine, uh, Epipactus Atheruban. That's the one that's mainly main interest to me. And I tend to do most of my studies on that. We have uh, on this uh, this particular fell we're going on. Uh, we have about six and a half hundred after Reuben, and we have about 150 hellebrine. But in some cases, the two have got together and caused an hybrid hybridisation, of which uh, is called Epipactus smallosity. Simply an hybrid. <laughs> you can't bear that mouthful. <laughs> um, we haven't got any science on this, obviously, but it's quite obvious to anybody who knows. You've got part of one plant showing with part of the other plant. Um, say an Atherubens, they'll come out at the time of Atherubens, which is perhaps three weeks before Hellebrine. Whenabouts in the year is that? Oh, sorry, roughly? yeah, mid mid June, mid June, mid to late June. Um, whereby the Elibrine comes out three weeks later. When I say that, though, I'll show you one today where we've actually got an Elibrine now standing at four inches, and there's no way you'll find an Atherubens. What happens is the Elibrine will come out in part. And then it'll stop. It won't grow any further. And then the Atherubens will come through, flower, die off, and yet the Elibrine will come back up at three weeks. It'll continue to grow. It's like stunted for so long. But that's how I found it anyway. Um, but the timing does cross, obviously. <clears throat> Which is how they're able to, to yeah, cross fertilize. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But the other interesting thing about this particular side, they're also uh, breeding back on themselves. We're seeing lots of different varieties. We're getting these things with lemon petals. What, what's normally their colour? Uh, well, it's like a, a, a red, darkish red. I mean, they're called dark red, Elibrine. 
um, and they're like uh, darkish red to a mid a mid purple. They tell me, though I've never been to Bishop Middleham, that the plants over there are far darker than what we've got here. People that come visiting every year tell me there's a heck of a difference. Um, Why do you think that is? Do you think that's because you've got hybrid um, hybrid blood, as it were, uh, in your plants, or do you think it's just the different environment? Well, it could well be. But I'm not too sure about over that neck of woods, whether it is it magnesium limestone, where this is carboniferous. Um, it might have something to do with that. Right. Um, but it is interesting, and it, you know, it... I hope someday we can get somebody who can work all this stuff out. Um, but in the meantime, I'm making notes and checking these variables, trying to just get it all recorded, you know. Um, and how are you recording it? Uh, well, I find the plant, obviously, initially, and then it's mapped out with rough sketches using somewhere nearby as a, a landmark to work to. And I also use a GPS, so we get the GPS. And then we group what are considered to be families together, uh, geographical areas, and uh, do it by that, you know, measuring. So you've got families, what, different families of hybrids as you see it, or...? Yeah, uh, sort of. These are things, really, people, unless they came up here regular on a daily basis, they'd be struggling to uh, to see it. But I can see certain things where, where you'll get characteristics similar to a geographical point. Um, you know, I could try. I could show you perhaps by if I showed you some of the photographs. You'll see it in the leaves, they're all a certain shape, but yet go to another part. And they're different. And they're slightly different. And you know you know all of these Hellebrines, don't you, in that you've numbered them and you've got notes on all of them. Well, not all, but uh, all the more interesting of them, yeah. Yeah, I have. I've got a big folder. It's, it's getting too big now, a small leaf butterfly. Ah. That's the first one this year for me. Oh, lovely. <laughs> yeah. Um, We've already seen a, what was it? A, oh, a dinghy. A dinghy skipper. Yeah, I had my fresh yesterday. Uh, this area now here will be full of uh, fritillaries before long. <gasps> but look how quick that bracken's grown. Is the bracken managed here at all? Or uh, is it? Yeah, we. We take not this particular area, but you've got two. We've we got take some three cows out. right in front of us, so oh, presumably yeah. they're part of that. Ah, yeah, uh, yeah. He, uh, he takes it down, flattens it. And what would you, at the end of all of your studies, if you had a sort of end point in mind beyond the obvious pleasure you get just from yeah. knowing this part of the world so well, what would you hope to learn? If you had maybe, as you say a PhD student working up here or funding to do DNA testing or whatever it was to find out about these hybrids. Is there a conclusion you want to reach? Um, 
Well, not really. I mean, it's all pleasurable as we're going along. We're learning and it's lovely to be able to show people photographs and people who come up here to discuss, um, to discuss about them. But uh, I suppose if I had to reach conclusion, I would love to know the DNA content percentage-wise of plants. It's not going to... This is the smallosity, by the way, the hybrid, of which I reckon we have about 20 of the larger ones and we probably have more like 50 not classified yet of the small ones. Um, we have the Palins varieties, which is a creamy thing. Oh, it's beautiful, honestly. Um, we'll post some pictures of the particularly special ones on yeah. wildflowerhour.co.uk yeah. and with a link to Brian's blog as well, which oh, has yeah. so many yeah. wonderful entries from, from this part of the world. And it's, yeah. it's Hutton Roof is obviously your orchid fiefdom, as it were, but you know your blog is called I Love Arnside and Silverdale, <laughs> isn't it? And yeah. this part of the world, yeah. I mean, I'm biased because I live sort of up the road on Walney Island in Barrow, but this part of the world is extraordinary for orchids, isn't it? Oh, without doubt. Um, wherever you go, I mean, I like going over to Arnside Silverdale or over Silverdale yesterday, still checking out the green-winged orchid, which is another favourite of mine. It, uh, it's a beautiful uh, little orchid. And again, with them, we get variations. This year, in particular, there's some salmon pink coloured ones and those were at the lots in Silverdale lots. which is a really lovely National oh, Trust yeah. site and later in the year it's very good for autumn ladies tresses yeah. as well isn't it yeah and also on Jack Scout um, again yesterday we were sat in the king's seat on uh, Jack Scout and I'm looking down and I'm thinking it won't be long before we get the autumn ladies' dresses, but I don't want to wish our lives No, away, I was going know. to say that that marks the end of the orchid season, doesn't <laughs> it? So it's quite a sad point to reach, even though they're so yeah. beautiful. What What is it about this part of the world? Is it that... Is, are all of the sites that we're talking about limestone? Is, yeah. is that particularly good for orchids? I think, yeah, it is the limestone. And, of course, with uh, uh, the ladies' dresses, I think they tend to be more coastal around here anyway, same with the green winged. Beside being on the lots, I think the other place is Arnside Knot, which is, you know, they're pretty coastal. Um, other than that, I'll go and have a look at Marsh, uh, Northern Marsh, Southern Marsh. Plenty of those at, plenty, um, of plenty of Northern Marsh on Woolney and at Sunscale Hawes yeah, as well, just yeah. across the uh, channel. Yeah. But I tend to try and put most of my time into the stuff here because it, it's that, there's that much work to do. I usually have somebody coming up every day. From all over the country? Yeah, yeah, they come from uh, London, Shetland, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's John Dunn's, whose book Orchid John. Summer is very worth reading and he's a, a wildflower hour friend yes. as well. He posts on our Instagram with his wonderful awkward photos quite a lot of, as well so is this your fault you're doing all this wonderful recording beautiful photography describing these hybrids and therefore you're being bombarded with visitors from across the country or was Hutton Roof always 
very well known in the orchid world anyway? I think it's always been well known. I'm not sure to what degree. It's certainly become more popular since I posted <laughs> bits and pieces, you know. Um, it's got some really good stuff. I mean, there's the fly orchid as well on this side. Uh, it was up the other day, the doctor, well, I call him Dr. Richard Orkai. <laughs> but Dr. Bates, he came up the other day having a look round and I've never seen anything like it. He found this fly orchid and within seconds he found another six. He somehow just seems to... He's got an eye, hasn't he's he? He's got an eye. Yeah. He really has. He finds them on grass verges and they're quite yeah. difficult orchids to find actually. Yeah, even though yeah. They're so striking when you've got your eye in, which is a really important part of orchid hunting, isn't it? Particularly it is. for the, the smaller ones. Once you start sort of looking at the landscape a bit like a magic eye picture yeah. the orchids start to emerge he but he is quite spectacular at finding them he, he certainly is i mean i first um richard first asked me to have a look at one on gate back there many years ago that's my larceny and from then on we've remained good friends and he bobs up here about two or three times a year and he's always interested he's always plenty of info um, we get on quite well. Do you have any problems with people trying to steal the orchids up here? Obviously, orchid theft is pretty uh, well known, and it's particularly well known in this part of the world because we have ladies' slippers uh, at no. Gate Barrows just yeah. down the road, which actually you can see. Um, it is a public access site, unlike all of the other places where they are growing, which are top secret, ba- yeah. basically. Is, is that a problem here too? Uh, no, nothing on this side. I've never known anything yet. Um, they vandalised, they dug up. Uh, the only vandalisation we get is plenty by the deer, plenty <laughs> by the ears, a little bit with the, um, oh, the little aphids, black aphids, um, an occasional cattle uh, tramping. So the, cat, the cattle don't eat the orchids? Because there no. are cows on the lots at the moment with the green-winged orchids nah, in full bloom. They're on the other side, though. There's a field division. The first field of cattle. Well, they're, they're on both. Are they on the others? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. gosh. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. I don't think there are any on last night, but perhaps they moved them. Um, no, I, I'm not sure how it works up here, to be honest. Do you do any sort of protecting of particularly interesting specimens oh, to, yeah. to stop the the vandal the vandal deer? <laughs> yeah, we do. We put cages on. Um, we've lots to cage, but each year we're managing to cage another, say, 20. Wow. Um, and we still need cages. Uh, my friend Alan Jendel, he's a, an orchid expert for Cumbria, he makes me quite a lot of cages and uh how big are these cages so uh, well they alter but um roughly about uh one meter to their two foot oh so they're quite a big di- diameter of about uh, 10 to 12 inches um, some people listening to this might say well you're really interfering with nature here and you're stopping the natural course of things which is that deer would be eating yeah. these orchids do, do you think that's a valid argument or no no not really because 
Let me put it this way. The deer and the ears will get 70%, 75% of all the orchids anyway. So Just the special ones that you... Yeah, I know, this is it. It's only the special ones. Um, 70% of the orchids? Oh, yeah. When I go up there, a deer will come along a row deer, and if we say I've uh, oh, 20 or 30 Atarubans, he won't feel sorry for any. He'll take the lot. <laughs> I think gardeners will know that well from seeing what's happened yeah. to their roses that were about to burst into bloom as well. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. But he, uh, they always, all they do is take the top off. You know, they never really... Just like with the roses. <laughs> I suppose. They're like florists, aren't they? Yeah, but the, the airs are the worst. I mean, we only have two airs on here. But believe you me... They seem to know which are the best specimens, you know. <laughs> and uh, what I'm not keen on with the ears, half of the time he doesn't even eat them. He just snips them and we go up and they're bent over. Oh, naughty hairs. He won't even eat them. And we can always tell, you can tell with a, the type of coat. If it's a diagonal coat, it's usually the air. And if it's a straight across coat, It'll be the deer. Yet, we'll also get straight across cuts with slugs. That's another one of our uh, problems. You don't put pellets down no, like they do no, at gate barrows. No. no, no, we don't. But uh, on a couple of occasions, I wish that's <laughs> we had. Um, yeah, let me tell you, we uh, we have one up here, or we did have one up here. And we're not sure what it is. People think it's a, a Philanthes confuser. So it's in John's book, actually. He's been writing about this. But just explain what Philanthes confuser is. Oh, right. It's the green-flowered hellebrine. They're very pretty. They've got a wonderful shade yeah. of green, haven't they? Yeah. But we had this, and uh, the slugs, unfortunately, got it last year. Uh... We've had slugs get one or two. You can, I can usually tell the evidence of the slugs <laughs> because of the slime. How yeah. do you feel when you find <clears throat> one of your precious plants has disappeared? It must well, be quite disappointing given how much effort you put in. It's disappointing, but it's nature, you know. And like I say, we've got to expect a lot of it. I just hope we managed <laughs> manage to get a good photo before it goes down, <laughs> you know. But they do, they get a good share of some milkwood. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, you know, we try and get, I mean, we just lost the early purple orchid, albino. That were a beauty. And uh, what did for that? That was air or, or rabbit. Not sure, it could have been rabbit. Uh, and that took it down, but. See if I can cage that for next year. Give us more chance with it, you know. That was Brian York on Hutton Roof Crags in Cumbria. And that's all for this week. Don't forget to take part in the Wildflower Hour between 8 and 9pm every Sunday on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And in the meantime, happy wildflower hunting.